0: CHAPTER X of Narrative of My Captivity Among the Sioux Indians by Fanny Kelly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mourning for the Slain. Threatened with Death at the Fiery Stake. Saved by a Speech from Ottawa. Starving Condition of the Indians. As soon as we were safe, and General Sully pursued us no longer, The warriors returned home, and a scene of terrible mourning over the killed ensued among the women. Their cries were terribly wild and distressing on such occasions, and the near relations of the deceased indulge in frantic expressions of grief that cannot be described. Sometimes the practice of cutting the flesh is carried to a horrible and barbarous extent. They inflict gashes on their bodies and limbs an inch in length. Some cut off their hair, blacken their faces, and marched through the village in procession, torturing their bodies to add vigor to their lamentations. Hunger followed on the track of grief. All their food was gone, and there was no game in that portion of the country. In our flight they scattered everything, and the country through which we passed for the following two weeks did not yield enough to arrest starvation the indians were terribly enraged and threatened me with death almost hourly and in every form i had so hoped for liberty when my friends were near but alas all my fond hopes were blasted the indians told me that the army was going in another direction they seemed to have sustained a greater loss than i had been made aware of which made them feel very revengeful toward me the next morning I could see that something unusual was about to happen. Notwithstanding the early hour, the sun barely appearing above the horizon, the principal chiefs and warriors were assembled in council, where, judging from the grave and reflective expression of their countenances, they were about to discuss some serious question. I had reason for apprehension, from their unfriendly manner toward me, and I feared for the penalty I might soon have to pay soon they sent an indian to me who asked me if i was ready to die to be burned at the stake i told him whenever wakan tonka the great spirit was ready he would call for me and then i would be ready and willing to go he said that he had been sent from the council to warn me that it had become necessary to put me to death on account of my white brothers killing so many of their young men recently he repeated that they were not cruel for the pleasure of being so necessity is their first law and he and the wise chiefs faithful to their hatred for the white race were in haste to satisfy their thirst for vengeance and further that the interest of their nation required it as soon as the chiefs were assembled around the council fire the pipe-carrier entered the circle holding in his hand the pipe ready lighted Bowing to the four cardinal points, he uttered a short prayer or invocation, and then presented the pipe to the old chief, Ottawa, but retained the bowl in his hand. When all the chiefs and men had smoked, one after the other, the pipe-bearer emptied the ashes into the fire, saying, Chiefs of the great Dakota nation, Wakan Tonka give you wisdom, so that whatever be your determination, it may be conformable to justice then after bowing respectfully he retired. A moment of silence followed, in which every one seemed to be meditating seriously upon the words that had just been spoken. At length one of the most aged of the chiefs, whose body was furrowed with the scars of innumerable wounds, and who enjoyed among his people a reputation for great wisdom, arose. Said he, The pale faces are eternal persecutors." pursue and harass us without intermission, forcing us to abandon to them, one by one, our best hunting-grounds, and we are compelled to seek a refuge in the depths of these badlands, like timid deer. Many of them even dare to come into prairies which belong to us, to trap beaver and hunt elk and buffalo, which are our property. These faithless creatures, these outcasts of their own people, rob and kill us when they can is it just that we should suffer these wrongs without complaining? Shall we allow ourselves to be slaughtered like timid assiniboines, without seeking to avenge ourselves? Does not the law of the Dakotas say, justice to our own nation, and death to all pale faces? Let my brothers say if that is just, pointing to the stake that was being prepared for me. Vengeance is allowable, sententiously remarked Maupaea, the sky, another old chief ottawa arose and said it is the undoubted right of the weak and the oppressed and yet it ought to be portioned to the injury received then why should we put this young innocent woman to death has she not always been kind to us smiled upon us and sang for us do not all our children love her as a tender sister why then should we put her to so cruel a death for the crimes of others if they are of her nation Why should we punish the innocent for the guilty? I looked to heaven for mercy and protection, offering up those earnest prayers that are never offered in vain. And oh, how thankful I was when I knew their decision was to spare my life. Though terrible were my surroundings, life always became sweet to me when I felt that I was about to part with it. A terrible time ensued, and many dogs and horses even died of starvation. Their bodies were eaten immediately, and the slow but constant march was daily kept up, in hope of game and better facilities for fish and fruit. Many days in succession I tasted no food, save what I could gather on my way. A few rose leaves and blossoms was all I could find, except the grass I would gather and chew for nourishment. Fear, fatigue, and long continued abstinence were wearing heavily on my already shattered frame. Women and children were crying for food. It was a painful sight to witness their sufferings, with no means of alleviating them, and no hope of relief save by travelling and hunting. We had no shelter save the canopy of heaven, and no alternative but to travel on, and at night lie down on the cold, damp ground for a resting place if i could but present to my readers a truthful picture of that indian home at that time with all its sorrowful accompaniments they are certainly engraved upon faithful memory to last for ever but no touch of pen could give any semblance of the realities to another what exhibitions of their pride and passion i have seen what ideas of their intelligence and humanity i have been compelled to form What manifestations of their power and ability to govern had been thrust upon me. The treatment received was not such as to enhance in any wise a woman's admiration for the so called noble red man, but rather to make one pray to be delivered from their power. Compelled to travel many days in succession, and to experience the gnawings of hunger without mitigation, every day had its share of toil and fear yet while my temporal wants were thus poorly supplied i was not wholly denied spiritual food it was a blessed consolation that no earthly foe could interrupt my communion with the heavenly world in my midnight wakeful hours i was visited with many bright visions he walks with thee that angel kind and gently whispers be resigned bear up bear on the end shall tell The dear Lord ordereth all things well. End of chapter ten.